Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Bloody Podcast. I am your host, Maria Felix, and my co-host, Laurie Roggenkamp. Hello. And our wonderful guest, Kashab Dumalik. I'm your mother. Treat me right. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some cake. (laughs) Uh, We're recording on this one on Mother's Day 2022. And I always like to do, I always like to stay on theme for holidays. So today we've got a pretty sad one for you guys. (laughs) Just brace yourselves because it's, it's not, it's you, I wouldn't listen to it with your mom. Or maybe you should, maybe you should listen to it with your mom and then she'll be like, I'm so grateful I never handed you over. You know what? I would listen. I would listen, especially if you live in the state that we're going to be talking about. I would listen. And I, if you live in the state we're talking about, I would listen. And then I would just stare at her wide eyed the entire time. (laughs) Just like watching her reaction. So this is not the case to have our moms on as guests. Uh, no. Uh-huh. Well, they'd just be so mad. It would just be a bunch of harumphs. <laughs> yeah. We could have my mom on. She would be like, I wish this happened to me. <laughs> like, oh, thanks, thanks. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so today we are talking about Georgia Tan. Georgia Tan was a child trafficker who ran the Tennessee Children's Home Society in, Vem- in Memphis, Tennessee, in the 1920s. In her Which life... Is, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm going to only mention this once. It's it's a shame that she's such an awful, awful person because Georgia Tan is, the, is a great name for, like, an 80s pop star, you know? Like... Yeah. Yeah. In, like, a, in like a group, a scene group. It's like, you could, like, say, like, Georgia Tan... And you know Montana White or something. I don't know. And then they'd just be like, <laughs> they're in a duo together. I mean, come on. The first, yeah. the first thing that comes to mind when you say Georgia Tan is like, okay, maybe in Georgia everybody wears sleeveless gloves, so the part of their palm is like super white or super light because of the tan. They take their glove off and like, oh, that's a Georgia Tan. Is that true? No, but it's it's oh. a feasible story. <laughs> Okay, it's a better it's a better story than what we're gonna tell you. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely. Let's go with that. Uh, and then uh, in her lifetime, she facilitated the human trafficking of over five thousand children. This is how she got to that point. Boo! Yeah. Boo! Boo. Georgia was born July eighteenth, eighteen ninety one, as Beulah Georgia Tan, in Philadelphia, Mississippi. So the city of Philadelphia and Mississippi. There's a Philadelphia and Mississippi? There is. <laughs> Beulah just sounds like somebody who wants to steal kids. Like Beulah's not a great name to give her. Yeah. Beulah? But it comes from her mom. Her mom's name was Beulah, Beulah Yates. Uh, and her dad's name was George, George Clark Tan. So the Tans were one of the first families of Mississippi. He was a judge. And she, Beulah, was a school teacher at a time when women barely left the house. Hmm. Georgia was one of two kids, the other being her brother, a little brother. Her father was said to be very domineering, and he put her in piano lessons at the age of five and insisted she was going to become a famous pianist. No matter how much she hated the piano, she was made to study it every day. 
despite his strictness, the tan house was said to be a happy one for the children. And they would often have neighborhood parties for the rest of the town. Georgia claims that when she was young, her father, being a judge, would often bring home wayward children from court cases because he didn't know what to do with them. I'm imagining the whole time he's like, play them in, Georgia. She's getting on the piano. <laughs> She's like, diddly, 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 diddly. He's like, play them in nice. Dun, 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 dun. He's like, all right. <laughs> play me out. Uh, that's funny. Georgia said that her father would once say that he wished he had a council of a minister, a school teacher, and a doctor to figure out what to do with all these children. Which is like, yeah, everybody wishes they had that for a children for a child. You're basically yeah. asking for all of the institutions that the child needs throughout their life. So Yeah, those are called services. Yeah. Those, yeah. Judge. Well, I'm sure he clinked his glass with his fork when he did it. I wish that I had this, this, and this. All right, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> but not you, child. No, no. Georgia would later say that these vivid memories helped her shape her interest in children uh, and sh- her interest in children with needs later on, which, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, she's, like, little, she's like a fucking liar. I mean, I get a little weird. Uh, <laughs> although she continued to fulfill her father's wishes about the piano and graduated with a degree in music, she grew up with a big interest in law. She would attend court proceedings uh, with her father, and her father taught her the law. So well, in fact, that she did pass the Mississippi State Bar. Hmm. But her father absolutely never let her become a lawyer. Oh, it's just okay. not a thing that women did. No, it's forbidden. It's not. He's he. It's such a weird um dynamic to me it's just a weird like or just a like a complex where it's like he teaches her the law and he gets her all the way to the he's like yeah okay so now you're fully trained in mississippi law and now you get to take the state bar and then (laughs) she takes the bar and she's like daddy i passed and he's like great now go back to the piano you're never gonna be no lawyer play me out (laughs) play yourself out of court (laughs) play yourself out of court we put wheels on the bottom of the piano. <laughs> did you guys know that I passed the Mississippi bar? You no, did? You did. I did after I had a couple drinks. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Sorry, no, I have no, a cold, no, so I can't. That was a nice low, low key one because <laughs> yeah. that was a low key joke. That's me. This is very out of breath. <sighs> <sighs> so after college, Georgia went into social work. She began by working at the Mississippi Children's Home Society as the receiving director at the Kate McWillie Powers Receiving Home for Children. As part of her duties, she was tasked with assigning children to homes. During her time there, she solidified her very classist view of the world. She saw poor families as nothing more than breeders, unfit to raise children and the rich as the only ones capable of giving a proper upbringing. Hmm. Fun. Solid how, long is that, how long is that name the, of, the, of the school? The K. Michael Powers Receiving Home for Children? <laughs> 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 she hands you two business cards. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Front to back, too. Front to back. Is it is it Kate Mc, Kate McWilly? I love yes. that last name. McWilly? God damn it, McWilly. <laughs> it's really pretty good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It sounds like the name of someone who died on the Titanic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was a fire, she was a powerhouse. <laughs> but she couldn't swim. God. She made a hell of a raft. <laughs> Name Mace McWilly, rest in peace. <laughs> so while working at the Kate McWilly Powers Receiving Home for Children, <laughs> she secretly began seeing Anne Atwood, a house mother at the children's home and daughter of a family friend of the Tans. Oh. Of her family. She also adopted a little girl named June. There are conflicting reports of when she adopted the little girl and when she was asked to leave the Mississippi Children's Society. Somewhere between when she began at the agency and through 1921, Georgia was asked to leave the Mississippi Children's Home Society because of her illegal practice of removing children from impoverished homes without cause. So she started pretty quickly on taking, she was just like, these kids are in a poor environment. (laughs) There's nothing else wrong here except that they're in a poor environment. I'm removing them. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So, and she was gay. She was gay. Yeah. Wow. So she was a a mean gay. She was a mean gay. (laughs) She was. We were just talking about uh, mean gays before we started recording. I love mean gays. Except when they're mean to me, and I can't take it. <laughs> they're too mean. They're the meanest. Yeah. They're the cuttingest. This is, this is a different kind of mean gay that destroys families. But this yeah, is a different. This is the. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't group her in with a mean gay so she, at all. She's not a mean gay. She's a bad gay. Because nobody bad called. Gay. Nobody called her witty. Nobody ever said she was witty. No. No, oh, yeah. no. That's part of it. And that's a. That's the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I think this really brings to light a good point is that being gay does not make you funny or fun. You know, it's just, that's your sexuality. There are a lot that you guys don't realize there are a lot of really boring gay people out there. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be witty and fun before you get in. I mean, there it is. There it is. So, you know, she was a, she was a boring, bad gay person. There was one article, and I don't think it's a legit claim, so uh, I I didn't make it part of her upbringing story, but uh, one article claimed that her father put her in piano lessons because he was trying to uh, uh, divert from her already tomboyish ways mm-hmm. of oh. like liking to wear like f- like pants and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. It seems really far fetched. Uh, yeah. Could be, but little did he know that when you are fingering the keys, you're also working on a couple other exercises. Hey! Oh. Hey! <laughs> that was Georgia Tan's album. That was her album. <laughs> so her father, after she was removed from the Mississippi Children's Home Society, easily found her work at the Tennessee Children's Home Society in ten- in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Jesus. There was a brief stint between being in Mississippi and Tennessee where she was 
she moved over to Texas for a little bit. I think maybe that was a kind of a, of a laid low situation that her dad was like, you got to lay low for a little bit because you stole a bunch of kids. Oh, shit. Yeah. And- <laughs> Jesus. What, what better place to go in Tejas? But when she moved to Tennessee, she moved there with Anne and the little girl that she had adopted, June. Interestingly, and not really related to the rest of the story, in 1925, which was three years after they moved, after uh, Georgia moved over to Memphis, Anne gave birth to a son of her own. In order to be viewed more as a widow, she took on the father's last name and also gave the same last name, Hollingsworth, to the son, Jack. Wow. Cool. After they were together. So maybe they just wanted it. It's like a surrogate situation back then. Yeah. Which like, that's, you know, can't. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, you know how you know how batshit your <laughs> you have to be in your life to at that time totally gloss over the gay part? <laughs> That's to me what's so crazy. How terrible she was as a person for them to be like, yeah, and she was gay. But the baby stealing. Yeah, but all, the 5,000 babies, two women living living together at the time, which they were, especially two women of means that weren't aided financially by a man, mm-hmm. was referred to as a Boston marriage. It was a type of open secret for lesbians and the rest of society from the late 19th century until the tw- early 20th century. That's when, interesting. I'm yeah, so sorry. nobody really bothered them about it. Wow, that's crazy. It's like, all right, so these two ladies live together. They're fine. They're not, they just have their own money, so they're fine. And sometimes it was, it was just like a straight relationship where they just like, we're just going to live together because we're sick of men, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they even referred to it, you know, colloquially as Boston marriage. But then uh, as time went on and 20th century moved forward, the table started to turn and such living arrangements were suspected of being homosexual, which it's like, well, then now you're just openly hating on gay people instead of just leaving them alone like you were. Yeah. Go back to the yeah. Boston marriage thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I got a Boston marriage. <laughs> I love how it's a Boston marriage because Boston is such a tolerable town. It's so tolerable. That was the weirdest part. I was like, this Boston was cool with this? It's probably because it's a Boston marriage because it was probably like one guy was like, hey, you and that woman are living together. And this woman was like, yeah, what the fuck do you care about it? Get the fuck away from me, dude. (laughs) So after arriving in Memphis in 1922, Jesus. Um. She started working at the Memphis branch, and after coercing and pushing her way through the ranks, Georgia named herself executive secretary of the Memphis branch of the Tennessee Children's Home by 1929. So it only took her, (laughs) yeah, another long ass name. (laughs) I also just love that she announced it, like she just got up, hello everyone, I am announcing yeah. That's starting today. <laughs> I am the ES of the ASCFPCU. <laughs> she, she, she clearly took after her father because she was described as being very pushy and domineering. So I, I imagine she walks around with a gavel everywhere that she goes. <laughs> She's just like, attention, attention, all rise. All rise. All the kids what? are like, what's going on? 
It's one of those people <laughs> when they leave the room, everybody's just like, holy shit. That was a lot. Georgia Tan began trafficking children right away. Within the state of Tennessee, the law stated that agencies could only charge for their services to have children placed in families. So they only charged $7 for in-state adoptions. Like that is, that is the fee that the agency got for their actual labor of going to place the child. It's a deal. Well, $7 back then, it's still less. It's still like a little bit. It's like $25. Wow. But the whole point was like you're trying to place wayward children and, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But Georgia arranged for out-of-state adoptions where she would charge pretty much whatever she wanted, primarily to wealthy families in New York and California. Oof. You know, that reminds me a lot about uh, notary publics. You know, I think the state says that we can, uh, when I was a notary, which I, ne- I didn't do any notar- notarizing, because I don't know why I'm, as a notary, when I was in the trenches, <laughs> I took the test, and that's it. Wonderful. You can, yeah, you can only charge $10. Um, that's, like, the requirement. But you can make up, like, you know, travel costs and stuff like that for your expenses, but to actually get a notarized stamp, it's only $10. Some, well, I yeah, because like $10. I think the money is like, I'll go to you, notary. Those are like the notaries that I always consider first because I'm like that. I don't want to go to the notary. Seems like a whole shebang. Yeah. But that's that yeah. makes sense. Uh, you've inspired me to become a notary. You should. I mean, I always got scared. I got asked like three times to do it. And I always got scared that I would do it so terribly that like one person asked it for, for their wedding license. And I was like, I'm so nervous that I would fuck it up that you guys would have to get married like some years later. So I just never did it. What do you have to do? Don't you just stamp it and you're like there and you're like, yep, it's here. Yeah, you have to stamp it. And then I, for, I mean, it's been so long, but you have to stamp it and then you have to write it. You have to have you write their names and, and like identification in this booklet and then you take fingerprint and then you stamp it and then um I think that's it and then you take money and stuff. But you have to like do it in a proper way. So Well this is majorly entertaining. I think you should make this a part of your stand up act. I guys to, let's I give it up to... for she's coming to the stage right now. She is a notary public and She's gonna tell us all about it. You should have I, done a uh, a top a tight five with every five. notary. I will say that I definitely brought this up to my sketch director one time and was like, "This is what I think would be a fun sketch." And I told him basically what I was, and he goes, "I don't see anything funny about what you're saying. It just sounds like you not doing something." <laughs> I was like, "That's the whole funny part of it." I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. I, no, get, it. Didn't I get, get it. it. I think get it's it. genius. No, we got it. We got it. And we want it. <laughs> so in Tennessee, like back in Mississippi, she had connections to very powerful people. Mostly, again, because of dear old dad. And she aggressively worked to make the Memphis branch the receiver of the largest amount of money from the state as far as adoption agencies went. Hmm. So records showed that they only put aside $61,000 for all orphanages or slash adoption agencies in, in the state of Tennessee. And she received 
31 percent of that oh wow. wow the black market of child adoption <clears throat> was kind of a gray area back then i think it still might be i'm not i i didn't do a whole lot of in-depth research on how to adopt a child out of state or out of the country. I think out of the country is what this has now gone to, but basically it seems that it wasn't completely illegal. It was frowned upon, um, but it was difficult to get the state to adopt a child to you. Hmm. You know, it was at least a six month to a year wait just to get started on the process. And most couples in their forties or fifties, if they wanted to adopt a child were denied they were considered too old. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. You were also denied if you were different religions. Different religions. Uh, they would not, they would not, um, uh, they would not adopt to Jewish people, which Georgia actually ended up taking advantage of. Cause she did. Interesting. And, and one of the big things, and this is just, I had watched a documentary on, um, not adoption, but like birth and, you know, dealing with all that stuff. Um, but one of the things was in that time, it was seen as a status symbol to be able to have kids. So a lot of adopt, a lot of adoptees didn't want to adopt someone that didn't look like them. They wanted, essentially they wanted to lie and say, this was our child. So they would say like, Oh, I, I didn't adopt. I had a child, this right. is my child. I had this. So they would, they want to want it in secret. Right. So a lot. Of, yeah. Which I think is still like a thing today. I feel like. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure they weren't doing that many, like, I mean, they were, it was mostly all white, pe white kids, right? Yes. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 She took a lot of white. So, uh, because like Lori said, it was seen as a status symbol. Always. It was a lot of the, her clients were the wealthy and the wealthy hate to wait. So, I mean, when you hear that you can get a baby right away, they're like, give it to me now. The demand outweighed the supply when it came to the children, and Georgia used a number of despicable methods to acquire most of the children. The first one was pretty normal. The first one was uh, she would find mothers who didn't want their child because they didn't have a way to care for it. That's okay. normal. All right. That's sure. the normal way adoption happens sometimes. Yeah. But she would also bribe corrupt nurses and doctors at hospitals to give her newborns. Jesus Christ. That's fucking horrible. It's terrible. She would, uh, she would specific, she would specifically target single mothers or mothers who were left like unattended. Like if somebody wasn't there with them, she oh, would, man. she would like, uh, have the nurses go back to their mother's beds. Like if they would take the baby over to the nursery and then they would go back to the mother when she woke up and the mom would ask for the child and then the nurse would tell them that the child died while she was asleep. Oh, that's so fucked up. Sometimes even Georgia and her own employees would go in and tell the mom this. Jesus. Sorry, I'm coming, you, I'm coming in hot. I didn't know any of this stuff. Could you imagine if, like, you were the father and you were just, like, parking the car? And then she, she just, like, <laughs> Georgia's like, I... Oh, the father's here. Oh, uh, actually, it looks like he's going to live. Um, the baby's going to be okay. Uh, you know what? Actually, uh, oh, this is okay. 
It was Smythe. I thought it was Smith. Okay, so I'm going to go. So <laughs> Father's pulling up at his old timey car. She's like, don't park, don't park, don't park. Oh, he parked. Okay. Uh, son of a uh, bitch. All right, well, don't get out of the car. That's <laughs> fucking horrible. <laughs> Jesus. And how many times they had to like do that, but then they were like, shit, which baby is it? They had like five in the car <laughs> oh, in the back. God. Like, which one was this? <laughs> <laughs> I put a smudge. I smudged one with my finger. No, Which what no, would you I smudge think... it with? I don't know. They're all smudgy. I don't know what happened. They're, <laughs> they're, they're babies. They're was, supposed to be smudgy. I was playing with the ink. She also worked with lawyers to coerce mothers who were getting divorces to give up their children. And of course, uh, she would coerce women that had unplanned pregnancies. She also arranged through her connections for the taking of children born to inmates and the mentally ill or anybody else who was a ward of the state, she would take their newborns instead of them going to next of kin or anything. Wow. Wow. That's she, tough. She also paid off nursery schools. There were some cases of children being dropped off for the day, and when their parents returned to get them, they were told that they were turned over to child welfare. <gasps> Jeez. You know, I gotta be honest, it seems like a lot of work. <laughs> she <laughs> did this. She must have just loved doing this because honestly, this there's no way to do this shit without it just being your whole life. Oh no, I'm sure she yeah. was like she, I'm sure she was like somebody's like, Why are you doing this? This is so horrible. She's like, Well, honestly, if you do what you love, you're not gonna work a day in your life. Yeah. And I haven't worked <laughs> oh since nineteen. <laughs> Oh, man. She even uh, kidnapped children off the street if they were walking home alone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't know about that. Jesus Christ. She mostly stole babies, uh, but she did steal small children when she could or when she needed to. And she even stole uh, some preteens over the years. Uh, there was one terrible there's so many so many terrible accounts of what she's done uh, one of the stories I read was there was a, there was a girl who had uh, for some reason like first of all Georgia had like scouts all over the city that would like literally call her and be like yo there's this kid walking down 4th street alone he's done this like a couple of times today so you should probably come get him um, so there, she showed up w- once to a building like an apartment building. Mm-hmm. And she asked a girl, she asked this mom who was like, uh, she had her baby there. Um, and she had another son, but her other son was staying over at her, I think it was her ex-boyfriend's. And she asked, she asked this lady like, oh, hey, is like so-and-so home? And she was like, no, she's not home. And like the girl happened to be sick. So she was like, oh, you don't look like, you, you don't look so good. And then she Georgia left and then she came back the next day and she was like, hey, you don't look so good. And I noticed you have a baby. And if you want, um, I can go, I can like take care of your baby for a day or two while you like recover because you seem like you live alone. You know, you don't, you know, I know how hard that is. And I'm the executive secretary of the children's home society. So like, I, this is all I do. All I do is care for children. Like I have a whole staff. That's the kind of shit she would say. And she would also do the same thing. If she noticed a baby was sick, she'd be like, let me take your baby from you for a little bit. So it can go to the hospital. We can run some tests from it. And she would have them sign a piece of paper 
And then she would just disappear with the baby. And then the next day, like, if the parents like, where's my kid? She's like, they died in the night. Dude. Oh, my God. I guess that's better than being like, what baby? But it's <laughs> fucking Jesus, man. And then she would just stop returning people's calls. What the fuck? And because she was so wow. powerful, people would just be like, they would answer the calls for her and just be like, oh, she doesn't have time to talk to you right now. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, she is a piece of fucking garbage. I mean, I just keep thinking, honestly, I all I keep thinking over and over again is that there's some person out there in Tennessee right now who's just like everybody thinks is a homophobe. It's just like lesbians are no good. They just steal your kids right out from under you. And everyone's just like, geez, this is a weird way to think of lesbians. And meanwhile, it's like, no, 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 this is. This actually happened. This one lady. One lady. One lady. One lady. Yeah. Wow. And you know, throughout this whole story, I'll just say it now, there's no other mention of Anne. And she killed her. No, she still she's oh, alive. Like okay. she, there's another mention of Anne, but not in terms of like her her like child trafficking, but it's like Anne knew. Anne put up with this bullshit. Oh, Anne knew. Anne yeah. knew and she like benefited off of it for the rest of her life. And it's that Anne's a shitty person. Oh fuck Anne! Fuck Anne too. There was like there was like one one article or one piece done where like her niece or something came out trying to defend her, and she was she was a lovely and giving woman. It's like yeah, she kept giving other people's kids away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So, uh, when it came to legal proceedings and paperwork. For all these children who have just suddenly disappeared and their parents are trying to find them, her most named accomplice was a Shelby County court, uh, Shelby County family court judge named Camille Kelly, who was a girl. She would push through proceedings involving removing children from their families, especially from divorced mo- mothers. Like she would make them like just rush through the system faster so that it happened faster. So that Georgia could like, you know, she, she Georgia would have already shipped the kids off to New York or L.A. So it didn't matter. But she pushed <laughs> the paperwork through. And it's assumed that Georgia bribed Camille. And that she also bribed and probably just had some kind of family tie with the an ex-mayor of the town named E.H. Uh, nicknamed Boss Crump. So Mayor Crump. <laughs> Boss, Mayor Boss Crump? Yeah. <laughs> Crump was known for his, uh, for his, he was well known for his penchant for gambling, brothels, and any means of acquiring money in any, in any nefarious way in general. And his catchphrase, crump it up. <laughs> hey, let's get crump, everybody. <laughs> crump, crump, crump it up. She gets it. <laughs> let's let's win some cash and enjoy pleasures of the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, fuck all these people. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna talk a little bit more about Crump because it's just incredibly crazy. Oh God, uh, Crump was a mayor from 1910 to 1915, and he had so much influence in the state of Tennessee in politics that he chose every mayor after that until 1954. Jesus. And the election was really just like a sham because he chose him. And he even made himself mayor again for one night 
in 1940. What? <laughs> <laughs> he, this is what he did. He told his opponent, Walter Chandler, who wasn't like a real opponent, who was just the kind of the guy running against him, mm-hmm. um, that he that Chandler would be more useful developing strategy in Washington. So the guy went there. And he left Crump to win without having to race against an opponent or any kind of campaign. He So Crump wins the election. He's sworn in at a train station right before he boards a train to leave for a football game in New Orleans. And then he resigns the next day, like morning. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm done with this. I just want to improve it. <laughs> oh my god what an asshole and then the vice oh my god. the vice mayor became the mayor but then that same day a committee decided that the original opponent Chandler would be mayor and since the previous the previous mayor's term before the election even happened ended at midnight the city of Memphis had four mayors in one night what yeah Wow. Wow. What a bunch. What? <laughs> this is just, yeah. It's just the Benny is, Hill song. It's just the Benny Hill song. Yeah. Like, what's going on in, what is Memphis? Where, where, what's happening here? Where Country is, music? Yeah. <laughs> barbecue oh, sauce? Man. I don't know. Um, they have a lot to write about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, so, that's crazy. Spoiler alert. Uh, Crump remained untouched and continued to have a huge influence in national politics until his death in 1954. Hmm. Oh, Just wow. coasted. And you mean untouched, like legally, right? Untouched legally, feeling- yeah. Okay. He I'm like he, was he had a lot of like fucked up things he did. He like you know he would do like all like the big the way it was described was like all the big city tactics of like you know uh, taking bribes and also like. Uh, monopolizing certain minority communities so that he and like you know paying them off and like coercion and uh, intimidation he just used all that stuff in Tennessee and he had like huge sway in Tennessee fuck this guy and then nothing ever happened to him and in another gross representation of his and an extension everybody else's corruption Camille the judge that pushed all of her all of Tan's paperwork through was never even a lawyer before she became a judge. She was made one by Crump. She was made a judge after her husband died. All the rules in Memphis are written on napkins with barbecue sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Before the scandal broke, the judge was affectionately known as the little Irish judge. And she never wore a formal robe to court. She instead chose to wear colorful dresses, flowers, and jewels. She thought that the children would be scared of a woman in robes. So she also wrote three books about her opinions and advice and was a judge for 30 years. 30 years? Yeah, she retired. I'm not coming down on you, Memphis. I'm coming down on you at a certain point in time. Yes. (laughs) That is bullshit. These are these are crazy times. The, the 20s and the 30s. Yeah. The 40s. Yeah. So while Georgia and her corrupt cohorts enjoyed a lavish lifestyle, the children she stole 
were kept in foster homes and other government facilities, as they did not have any dedicated homes for orphan, orphan children. Once every three weeks, two women, Alma Walton and Regina Warner, employees of TANS, would travel to New York or California, each with four or six babies in tow. And then they would sell the kids off to families for the price of $700. Hmm. And the check was always written out to Georgia Tan. It's a lot of work traveling with that many kids. Jeez. I just, I, I, to me, what I think is so, I don't know, there's, there's so many stupid things. But what I think is so astounding is that she would steal these kids just to then put them in a foster care system. Like, why would you do that? Like, that no, to me. They were just like temporarily, mo- some oh, of them, some I of them. Just, oh, okay. Some of them were temporarily in the foster care system. Because this, oh. this, this is only getting, going to get worse. Um, oh, good, good, good. Okay, yeah. good. All right, good. <laughs> so like, her goal was to always to like, to like sell them out to families for the fees that she charged. So most of the families that were adopting never asked any questions happy to get what they wanted quickly. And because it wasn't illegal, it should be noted that many adoptive parents didn't know they were doing anything wrong. Sure. When it came to the adoption. Some of her most famous clients include uh, Joan Crawford, who adopted the twin girls from her, not the kids from Mommy Dearest, not Christine and Christopher, Mm -hmm. but the ones after. Wow. Oh. Mm Wow. Wow. Um, there was also um, uh, actor couple June Allison and Dick Powell adopted from them. Mm. And Rick Flair was one of the children adopted from the orphanage. Well, are you talking about fucking the, wrestler Rick the Flair? The wrestler Rick Flair. What? Woo! Was, ado- was one of the children. <laughs> the golden boy. Oh, my God. Sorry, Maria, I didn't get that. Could you do that again? Woo! <laughs> now you, Lori. <laughs> now you. Oh. Right. Woo! <laughs> Rick Flair, by the way, everybody, uh, if you haven't seen the 30 for 30 HBO documentary on Rick Flair, it is, I've only seen 10 minutes of it, but it is goddamn entertaining. And that dude is nuts and has been through some crazy shit. I can't believe he was one of the kids. That, yeah. 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 Poor Ric Flair. Oh, my God. That explains a lot. (laughs) Watch the doc. It does. (laughs) It's crazy. So that's just a small number of children who may, like, clearly some of these children, or those children I've named, had a privileged life. Uh, But compared to how many she stole, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't balance out. Uh, she didn't. She didn't perform background checks, although she charged for them. And many of the children went to abusive parents. Mm. Once people started looking into the cases, they found suspicious adoptions. For example, adoptions of single men adopting young boys. No, not fun. Multiple accounts of families adopting adopting children for labor. For manual labor. Oh, um, that's horrible. It's horrible. There's so many stories. There was, there was like, um, there's a pair, uh, there's a twin, there were twin brothers that went on Oprah to recount 
the memories that they they knew that they that they had gone through this thing and they were they they were like victims of tan but it wasn't until they were in their 70s when they went on oprah that like they started both remembering that they had been sexually abused in the homes that they were placed into and then they tried running away but then they were just placed back in the tan orphanages and were abused there so oh, it's man. just there's so many countless like he, the, they were like it was a we were placed with a wealthy family in Los Angeles uh but we went we were sexually abused they tried to sexually abuse us before we ran away yeah so it's it's terrible oh, that's awful it's almost as if terrible people can be rich too it's it's so weird i never th- i never thought the two yeah. went hand in hand um I got nothing. I'm so sorry. It's fucking heartbreaking. The abuse was very rampant. As soon as the children were kidnapped, they were subjected to terrible conditions. Georgia employed the worst kind of people who physically, sexually, and essentially, who physically, sexually abused and essentially murdered the children. Oh my God. Children who weren't adopted were left to starve. And died from preventable causes like diarrhea and dehydration. Throughout the 1930s. No, 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 no. That's I'm sorry. Awful. <laughs> it gets rough. It's rough. It's already rough. Throughout the 1930s, Memphis had the highest infant mortality rate in any of the states, thanks to Georgia Tan's actions. Uh, things only got worse. When a wealthy businessman donated a large home located at 1556 Poplar Avenue in Memphis in 1943. Georgia, in that home, had an all-female staff that wore nursing uniforms to give an illusion that they were, you know, anything. But most of the staff were just junkies and pedophiles. What is the... Uh, why is this guy's fucking problem? Why is he giving her a fucking house? He gave it to the society, so we don't know. Um, he gave it to the Children's Home Society, so you don't really know if he gave it to Tan, mm-hmm. you know, knowing what she did. But also, nobody really... The people that are giving her this shit and, like, giving her all these passes, except for the ones that are really, really close to it, like Crump and Kelly... Mm-hmm don't know what going what's going on because like to everybody else she's just this like seems like this like giving lady who you know takes care of children and just like and and talks it and like talks a good talk and is just like a prominent figure in Tennessee she she was like right. you know she was well respected by the community yeah yeah, you. I hope that that guy, you know, was doing this out of the goodness of his heart and just didn't know what he was doing, you know? Fucking yeah. hell. All right. And that, that in as itself is like, you know, another victim. I mean, the, these poor kids are the, are the real victims and their families that, you know, they were taken from. But also, you know, you have these pe- some people who just genuinely wanted to adopt kids and they just wanted to provide a, a wonderful home. And to find out, you know... It must have been awful for them to find out that uh, the kid that they love and care for had been kidnapped from their family. Not yeah. given up, as they originally thought, but kidnapped. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. And when people would try to 
when like parents would like find out, the adoptive parents would find out like, oh, these records are fake because she would falsify all the children's records. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would try to question her. She would just coerce them into either um, giving it up or they have to give the child back. And she would also come back to the adoptive yeah. parents sometimes and be like, oh, hey, this relative showed up and they want the kid. But, you know, for like $800, my lawyers can make it go away. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Jesus. She is one of the worst cases <clears throat> we've covered. Yeah. She's truly awful. And what's crazy is that, you know, we've covered people who've killed and she's ruined more lives than than anyone else i mean it's insane it's insane tan was also influential in a number of laws that were passed to make her adoption proceedings easier new york governor herbert lehman signed a law sealing birth certificates from new york adoptees uh and he had adopt he was a client of hers Hmm. so he made it hard he sealed birth certificates of the children that were adopted into New York. She was also the first person to issue false birth certificates for adopted children. And that is standard practice now. Now they do it for the protection of the child. Uh, and they have, I, I assume that most legitimate places have the original one on file or something. But now it's just a normal thing, which is interesting. Um. Since she sold the babies like iPhones to the rich and famous, like Lori said earlier, the stigma that would used to surround adoptive parents was reduced significantly as now it was seen as a, a normal and a, and you know, a picture of wealth and a glamorous thing to do to adopt a child. So that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. So she shifted that perspective, which is insane that she stole these many kids in order to have such a huge influence on the like entirety of the adoption process. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah, that is insane. At the time, the concept of eugenics was gaining steam. And Tan would tour the states giving seminars about how adoption helped eugenics because of the, quote, selective process in which poor children would be reformed into higher types. Man, this bitch has a real fucking problem with class. Yeah, huge. It's <laughs> a her biggest real fucking problem. It's her biggest fucking problem. And that's because she she fucking she grew up rich. She grew up as one of the richest people in Mississippi. Motherfucker. And you know for a fact that she probably would do speeches going, I was I worked <laughs> for everything. I was never given a thing. <laughs> yeah. She's one of those. Yeah. yeah. She's like, yeah. you don't know. The doors were so huge. I, I couldn't move them myself. I couldn't leave. <laughs> Daddy locked them. He locked them. With his gold key. Yeah. And there was food, but sometimes it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking bitch. Sometimes the maid would not feed it to me. Mm-hmm. Georgia. Georgia Tan was obviously very much a millionaire in 1941, which is the year when the Child Welfare League of America dropped her from their list of recommended agencies uh, to adopt from for the reasons of, among many others, for destroying birth certificates and for not properly vetting the families she placed children with, 
for allowing the parents to choose which kid they simply wanted as opposed to which environment would be best for a child and for not properly monitoring placements and purposely placing them out of state so that she didn't have to go and monitor uh, the placements. And also for advertising for the adoption of children. Tan took out many advertisements in the paper for her agency. One read, here's, here's a few examples. One read for single mothers in trouble, call Georgia now. Another one had a picture of a baby boy that said, yours for the taking. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Holy shit. Jesus criminy. There's another one of a little baby girl that I have that I found that says, uh, Nancy, just 11 months old, needs home. Can you say no? And there's one that's three pictures of three kids that says, they'd like to be your Christmas gift. Jesus Christ. This is the most despicable thing. I got so upset when I read this. She even raffled off babies. She would raffle off 20 to 30 of them and called it the Christmas baby giveaway. For $25, you could buy a ticket in and win a baby. And there was no limit to the amount of tickets you could buy. Uh, what? I mean, I love the level of naivete. I feel like if if we did that now, it would just be to arrest pedophiles. Like, it would be like, yeah. here's a baby raffle. Everybody who buys a ticket gets arrested. <laughs> like... I don't know who she's doing the raffle to, but at this point, if you're seeing this, everybody should know what the fuck is up. Yeah. I mean, there's just something to me that's terrifying of people seeing this in like a penny saver and going, you know, I could use a baby. <laughs> like, it's essentially I, it's essentially the, the oldest version of To Catch a Predator. Yeah. <laughs> Except she didn't catch them. She just like, Oh yeah, exactly. She, she caught and released. Yeah, yeah to, to celebrate just, a predator. She gave yeah. yeah, she she to give a gift to a predator. She just gave them a baby. That's I mean terrible. I mean even if like even if like it was a, a legitimate thing and like there were def there were parents who definitely wanted it, wouldn't it be kind of sad that you're like that's the way that you get this kid is through a raft? Like it's just I don't know, it's just so weird. It's insane. And it's just like that means that's how many kids she's stolen when she's like, I gotta put, I gotta get a clearance out of here. I gotta put a fucking clearance sale on. Fucking pieces. Wow. Like, it, like it's terrible. And yeah, yeah. I have I have no words to describe how. Was she just like rolling in dough? Yes, yeah, she, she was a millionaire, and it was really hard to be a millionaire in like the nineteen twenties and thirties. All right, because that would be really upset. I mean. I'm already upset. I don't want to. I shouldn't have prefaced it that way, but I just think it's it would be terrible if it was like, and she was also like struggling to make ends meet, and I would be like, well, then why are you doing it? <laughs> like, <laughs> make money off of it or something. <laughs> Jesus, there's like absolutely no explanation of why why are you doing this? Because except obviously her classes thing, but it's like you just hate children, or you hate the world, mm -hmm. honestly, because this causes chaos yeah. to so many lives. Or she just had like a very warped idea of what, you know, what a good thing is. You know, I think maybe she genuinely thought 
This is somebody who genuinely thought that this was a good idea and like, you know, it was an awful, awful idea. Do you think she gave, do you think she was the same with Anne? Do you think she like gave Anne, you know, like vacuums and thought it was a good idea? Like that was the kind of gift giver she was too? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's the radio that I've been talking about for your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. You've been talking about it. I know. Actually, yeah. She probably was like... <laughs> You, I don't know if you guys seen that TikTok that was going around during Christmas time. It was that guy who got his wife a bunch of gifts, and come to find out, all the gifts are just elaborately gift wrapped. And then there's a card in front that just says the light bill or the gas bill or oh, phone hell or no. So he every single time he, she would unwrap one, he'd be like, "Yeah, you didn't have live in the dark this whole year, so that's your Christmas gift." Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah, I, I feel like it's fake, but at the same time, I think it's that totally that's fake. probably what she did. <laughs> that's probably what she it's did. probably like, what she did. You, oh, you want a gift? Yeah, here's your gift. I'm giving you all of this. This is it. This is what you get. Yeah. Once in a while, she would give Anne a baby and be like, I just don't know what to do with this one. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The guy who made that TikTok is a fucking loser. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Sorry, real quick. It sounds like a prank. I but mean, I think, yeah, uh, yeah. It, I think it's definitely one of those that is the so fit, you know, because it's like in my, I don't know, this is me, but personally, if I was doing that and my star brought me a bunch of boxes and I opened two and both of them have cards that just say light bill and gas bill or whatever, I'd go, I'm not opening anymore. Yeah, I'm not can't. opening anymore. Yeah. You're not going to get me to open more. But she had like, she opened like five more. And I was like, what is this woman? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't see. You'd think that that was fake, but look at the look at the people that we live in, like that we live in this world with. Yeah, maybe oh, maybe true. if maybe if he if she didn't open them, there was going to be a bigger problem. Oh God. Yeah, or she was just like the last one is going to be the gift. <laughs> just like it ain't going to happen. <laughs> the last one. <gasps> this is such a cute game. Oh God. All right, uh, back to the psychopath. <laughs> yeah. So. In nine, speaking of Anne, in 1943, Georgia adopted her partner, Anne. What? Uh, a practice used. I know it's weird, but but it was logical. A practice that was used back then in order to ensure that your partner uh, for same-sex couples inherited your assets when you died. Yeah. It's a weird thing, but it's it was the only way it to was- help help. Them. Meanwhile, Anne's like, I had no idea. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, keeping it with keeping with Georgia's thing, she did it under cover of darkness and like forged her signature and was like, didn't tell anyone about it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I remember, I knew about that. I just thought it was so funny that it was like, you know, it just seems to me it's like, why wouldn't they just let people get married? It seems so much weirder that two adults want one adult wants to adopt another adult, and everyone's just like, yeah, that makes sense. But don't catch me getting seeing you want to get married. Mm-hmm. It's like what the hell? If it like if it's if it's like a weird sexual family thing, America's okay with it. <laughs> if it's a weird yeah. homosexual oh, totally. thing, they're not okay with it. So fucked up. Yeah, yeah. If it's yeah, if it's definitely if it's two people in the family who want to have sex with each other, they're like, I mean, it's that's weird, but you know, that's a family matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now everything that these two women do is a family matter, and we can finally stay out of it. Thank God. <laughs> oh man. In the late 1940s, a social worker 
So now everything's kind of like, it's been a while. Uh, it's been almost, it's been pretty much two decades. A social worker who reviewed and was concerned with the Memphis mortality rate, like somebody finally fucking paid attention, went straight to the source and paid Georgia's Poplar Avenue house a visit. She reported the neglectful findings. And finally, in 1950, a new governor, uh, Governor Browning, opened up an investigation into the Tennessee Children's Home Society, focusing on Georgia Tan. Great. Great news. Yeah, that's great. Oh, three, finally, so. three days later. Don't know. Georgia no. died from cancer. Fuck no. you. Fuck you. What? Fuck you. Oh my god. I'm I'm pissed Ugh. and also happy with cancer. <laughs> I'm just like I'm like, you couldn't have given us three months no. cancer. You son of a bitch. No. They did the invest and I'm sorry, it's even it's even more infuriating because what they did is that they did the investigation. And uh, three days before the report was released, she died. So uh, it was just it's insane. Uh, Judge Camille Kelly, like we, I actually spoiled this earlier. She retired a few weeks after the investigation was opened, and she was never prosecuted for her actions. And uh, was announced. It was announced after the investigation was actually completed. That she may have had a hand in pushing the adoption proceedings through a little too fast, but there was no evidence to prove that she knew what was happening. Which is bullshit. Yeah, that is bullshit. When she first had started her scheme in 1923, Georgia had purchased a cemetery plot at, I think it was called Elmwood Cemetery. And and no one knows at, at what time exactly, but she buried 19 babies there. And the record referring to them only by their first name, baby Joseph, baby Mary, etc. The plot had no headstone until 2015 when the city raised money to dedicate a headstone to the 19 bodies buried there, along with all the unknown souls Georgia took too soon. It is estimated that she trafficked 5,000 children, and at least 500 passed away under her care. No one has ever been prosecuted for any of these actions. No one. Oh, my God. The house at Poplar Avenue no longer stands, and it was replaced by a new building in 1956. The... Mm. There's thousands of stories... Of children, of most of these pe- people who were children and now are like in retirement age, most of them trying to find their parents and not succeeding because she destroyed all the records. There was no way to trace the families back in many cases. Unsolved Mysteries covered her and they were able to help uh, a Florida based group, I believe, or no, maybe I think it was a, a, a Mississippi or Na- Tennessee based group. Reunite some of the families, which was great. Um, but most of people have no idea who their parents are. And there were thousands of parents who lost their kids. This is the worst woman we've ever covered. Oh, my God. This is the worst woman. Yeah. This is the worst woman. 
I want Jurassic Park technology to be a real thing so we can get her back. Yes. And punish her for what she did. But even then, that's not necessarily her. It's just her clone. And her clone didn't do anything. Lori, it's not... We have to start somewhere. We have to... Mm. (laughs) Life. Finds a way. Finds a way. Finds a way, yeah. (laughs) If her clone was just as dickish, I would be totally... I'd be totally for it. I don't necessarily Uh, believe in... I don't necessarily believe in heaven or hell, but I I, I hope... Man. Man, oh man. Wow. That's awful. That is so... Fuck you, Georgia Tan. Just the, the senseless loss and just I just I'm, I'm Jesus Christ yeah I like I there was some there's you could reach out and there's like there's so many firsthand account books and articles of these people trying to connect their lives back together and many of them didn't even try or succeed because uh by the time they even found out they were Georgia Tan victims, the uh, birth parents were likely passed. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Man. Fuck. I don't even have words. Well, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. <laughs> hey, I'm going to call my mom and say, yeah. how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Did you go to Tennessee? If you had somebody, did you go to Tennessee? Did you just say that? Just say that. Everybody ask your moms if they went to Tennessee. If, they, if she says no, give her a kiss. Laura, you're fine. You'd be you'd be like in your 80s, if not older, if you were like one of the Georgia Tans. You never know. You never know what's going on with her. Fuck it, <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good night. <laughs> Happy Mother's Have Day. Good night.